Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Hello everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. The reports are out there that several concrete offers have been made to Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua of where and when to hold their much-anticipated heavyweight title unification fight this summer. The front-runner to host this fight, according to what we read in here, is Saudi Arabia. Joshua first fought in Saudi Arabia in December 2019 in his rematch with Andy Ruiz Jr. and Fury performed on a WWE show there in October of that year. At that time, there was only limited and muted criticism of them for bringing their business to this despotic monarchy. But much has changed in the world since then. Now we have the award-winning documentary The Dissident about the assassination of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi. There is the U.S. intelligence report which was released in February of this year that says the assassination was approved by Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, the de facto ruler of this monarchy. Hatice Cengiz who was Khashoggi's fiance has issued a statement to the Telegraph of the UK urging both fighters in their camps not to have this fight in Saudi Arabia. And there is a Global Justice for Jamal campaign being organized that calls for a boycott of events hosted or supported by the Saudi dictatorship. To discuss the significance of all of this, plus the silence of the boxing media on these issues. We once again spoke with our colleague Chris Baldwin on the War Room. We spoke with her by phone Sunday, April 11th. But before we get to that, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart. The legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And... Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double-End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double-End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop, advancing 
combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content, that's at Patreon.com, slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world, welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. All right, my beautiful people, we are in the war room with DJ Tribal and Eddie Goldman. Today we're discussing the Joshua Fury fight deal or no deal. And there is no one better to discuss this evolving boxing saga with other than my boy, the consciousness of combat sports, Mr. Eddie Goldman. What's up? Welcome to the war room, Eddie. How you doing? How's everybody doing today? So a lot to discuss and... Since it's boxing, it gets more complicated than it appears. <laughs> right. Let's start so what's off. What's going on with Joshua? I know that these guys are considering a big, huge uh, deal with uh, Saudi Arabia and MBS and uh, several other promoters, I guess, or uh, places that want to host this the, the biggest fight of, I know of my in the last 10 years at least. I mean, I, I can't remember a bigger fight than this, right? Maybe uh, Mayweather and Pacquiao. It's going to be on uh, that level. Maybe bigger yeah, because it well, involves heavyweights, but also because it'll be two British fighters may reduce a little bit the uh, interest in the United States unless they hold it in the United States. And right. the this fight, what's happening with it is determined a lot by the pandemic because it's going to get an absolutely huge audience on TV, even if they put it all behind a paywall and on pay-per-view. And mm-hmm. if it were held in non-pandemic times, they could fill any arena in the world multiple times over. So this fight, you would think, would land in the UK at a place like uh, Wembley Stadium, the, uh, the big football stadium that holds 90,000 people for football, and that you could even get more for boxing in there because you could put uh, seats on the field around the ring, which obviously you couldn't do for football. However, because of the pandemic and the lockdowns, there's still... In the UK and many countries, except for uh, Texas under the the Hay Abbott regime, they're not they, they're not able to fill the whole capacity for the arenas and the stadiums. So the question is, where can they get that same revenue for the fight? Again, the pay per view will be roughly equal. They they wherever they hold it. But they need that revenue because he's talking about the difference of many millions of even tens of millions of dollars and pounds based on what they get from the ticket sales. So 
they're aiming to have this fight in the summer. Joshua last fought in December 2020. Fury has been inactive. He was supposed to fight in December 2020, but for whatever reason, that fight fell through. He was going to possibly have a third fight with Wilder. Wilder didn't seem to want it. They discussed having another opponent. That didn't happen. So he hasn't fought since February 2020. So they want to have this fight sometime in the summer, probably in July, probably at the beginning or before the Olympics start, assuming that happens, which is another mess that's that's going on in the world because of the rising COVID rates in many countries, the lack of vaccines in many countries, and even in Tokyo, increasing COVID rates as we, we talk. So where are they going to make up this money in the ticket sales? And that's where these authoritarian regimes and monarchies like Saudi Arabia come in. Saudi Arabia isn't going to care if they overpay for the fight. It's not going to be the same type of uh, financial considerations if you would have it in Wembley Stadium or you would have it at one of the big casinos in Las Vegas or, or someplace like that. They're willing to overpay as they did for the Joshua Ruiz rematch in December 2019 because they want to give the impression, which of course is false, that they're a modernizing country, they're, they could hold major sporting events, it's safe to go there, and so forth and so on. So because it seems it's going to be difficult to hold it in Wembley or Las Vegas in July, perhaps it, closer to the end of the year they could do it with a full crowd. But since it's going to be difficult to do that, all the reports have Saudi Arabia as the favorite to host this fight. They are still talking with Wembley because uh, Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London, said they're welcome. We really want to have you there. Now in June and July, you're going to have the European football championships going on in Wembley which uh, will, they hope, by July 11th, which are the finals, to get 50% capacity. So are the financials there that if they have, say, 45 to 50,000 fans there in Wembley for this fight, is that going to match or exceed whatever a country like Saudi Arabia is going to offer? And again, in Saudi Arabia, it's going to have to be indoors uh, because of the summer heat. And the ticket sales are going to be different. It's going to probably the monarchy will buy up all the tickets and give them to, you know, whoever, the sheiks and, and, and all these characters that, that they have and they're, they're privileged people and maybe give a couple to uh, people that are not part of the monarchy but work with them. So then it's going to be it's going to be a different metric that's going on. Now, the problem with that, if they do it in Saudi Arabia, is that there was blowback the last time that Joshua fought there in December 2019. There were people said 
This is a, a vicious absolute monarchy. It's one of the major abusers of human rights in the world. And of course, there was the murder a few years ago of the journalist uh, Jamal Khashoggi, who wrote for the Washington Post and was well-respected around the world and was a critic of the monarchy in the current regime in Saudi Arabia. And it's still a kingdom. The king is King Salman, who's quite elderly. So the day-to-day operations and the de facto ruler of Saudi Arabia is the younger, as you mentioned earlier, MBS, Mohammed bin Salman. And Trump tried to cover up the murder of Khashoggi, saying, we don't know who did it. You know, he came up with his usual crap of, it could have been anybody that did it. We don't really know. And what uh, the American government report was just released under Biden made it very clear that this was done on the order of Mohammed bin Salman. So there isn't any doubt anymore who was really behind this murder. But here's what happened besides the, the grisly details, which I'm just, I'm not in the mood to sort of repeat them, which people can look up how the, this guy, uh, Khashoggi, went into the uh, Turkish, the uh, Saudi embassy in Istanbul because he had to get some paperwork done. I think it had to do with a divorce because he was planning to remarry. Right. So, right. It was something that should have been routine. And if, if again, if you've ever had a travel or deal with issues like that, you usually going into an embassy or consulate, you deal with the paperwork and you may have to stand on line, maybe a pain in the neck to do it, but you're in and you, you get, you're out. Well, didn't happen that way. He went there into the embassy and he went to the embassy with his fiance, and I've been working on the pronunciation of her name, and if I mess it up, I apologize to her and everybody else. Hatice Cengiz, uh, which is a, a Turkish name. So she was there, and she waited outside for him, because you figure, you know, if it's a routine paperwork thing, you're going to go in and... You're going to go out in a little while. Uh, He went into the embassy at about 1 p.m. Istanbul time. She waited and waited and waited till 1 a.m. He didn't come out. Oh, my God. Nobody said anything to her. And then she started checking these things out. She is also a researcher and a journalist as well. So now... We have more information about what Saudi Arabia was doing, which gives us a peek into how bad they are in terms of human rights. And we didn't have as much, it wasn't as much uh, prominent news about it or awareness about it in December 2019 when Joshua Fort Ruiz, plus when Joshua Fort Ruiz, you know, that was a fight that was important for boxing but outside of boxing, how many people really knew or cared about it other than the boxing fans? Fury versus Joshua will be to crown an undisputed 
heavyweight champion of the world for the first time since 1999 when Lennox Lewis defeated Evander Holyfield. He really beat him twice, but, you know, it's boxing. So the first fight in Madison Square Garden was called a draw, and that gleefully gave the promoters an excuse to, to have a, a rematch, which, uh, which Lennox Lewis one, of course, it hurt boxing because there were polls that showed. I remember Bob Arum raising this after the fight. There were polls that showed most people thought that boxing was fixed and it really, really hurt boxing's image. Which what else is new? That's that's all boxing can do is destroy whatever uh, integrity and respect that it has. So the point is that Fury. Is considered by everyone in boxing the number one heavyweight in the world. He's undefeated. He holds a WBC title, which he got from Wilder. Again, he really beat Wilder twice, again, going into boxing's crazy scoring. But the first fight was ruled a draw. So they had the rematch, and then he stopped Wilder in the second fight last year. And he holds the Ring Magazine title, and he's considered something I don't make a big deal of, but he calls himself the lineal champion, the man who beat the man who beat the man, which isn't really true, but he calls himself that. Joshua has only that one loss to Ruiz, which he avenged right afterwards. He holds the WBA, WBO, and IBF belts. So these two are head and shoulders above everybody else, and this is going to get the world's attention more than even Fury and Wilder and Joshua and Ruiz and these other fights that the, the boxing public are interested in. This is going to get tremendous mainstream coverage. The other development that's happened... Do you really think that? I mean, even after the pandemic, do you really believe this heavyweight fight is going to get that type of coverage? Oh, it's already like starting to get... It's already starting to get that coverage. Yeah, I think it's going to be a major sporting event, and they're going to be a lot of. You're going to see a lot of mainstream media articles. Well, boxing is dying or dead, but this fight may help revive it. You know the same thing they say right. overall. But there's been a, a a spiral in the main direction downward. But here's the thing that's happened: if they do it in Saudi Arabia. And Eddie Hearn, Joshua's uh, promoter, said they've given all these offers to both sides, and they hope this week or the next week, I mean, they've been saying this for months now, but pretty soon they're going to have to make a decision. Here's what's happened since then. There's now a film called The Dissident by filmmaker Brian Fogel. People may remember him. He also did the film Icarus about the Russian state-sponsored doping scandal. It was a documentary. Right, a documentary that won, I think it won an Oscar, and it featured Dr. Dr. Grigory Rachenkov and had a lot of information and is now on Netflix. And I finally watched it because I finally, I didn't have Netflix for a while. I just got Netflix back. And I just watched that film. Excellent. I really recommend people to watch it, even if they haven't seen it or if they have seen it, to watch it. Now, since then, 
He's made this new documentary, The Dissident, focusing on the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. And a lot of it features uh, this fiancé, Hatija Chengiz, and a lot of information. I haven't seen that yet. And the reason I haven't seen it, other than I just became aware of it, is it's only on video on demand. And I saw an interview by the Washington Post with him and the uh, Saudi reformer Omar Abdulaziz and Khatija uh, Chengiz, where Brian Fogel said they shopped it around. They wanted to get it on regular Netflix or Amazon Prime or one of these different services. And even though the film was highly regarded, none of these companies wanted to do it because they knew Saudi Arabia was really upset and really pissed at them. So they're they're shying away from doing it. This film was just nominated for Best Documentary in the UK for the BAFTAs, which is sort of, I guess, sort of their version of the Oscars. It didn't win. In fact, just on Sunday they announced the awards, but it was nominated and it's gotten great reviews. So hopefully at some point I'm going to watch it. She's doing interviews all over the place as well as Brian Fogel and Omar Abdulaziz. Major media is covering this. So it's not going to be as easy to uh, just run a major fight like this in Saudi Arabia without attracting a lot of major attention. And, and there's another factor thrown in also where the whole, the whole political situation and climate are very different than it was in 2019. Because after right. the, the murder of George Floyd, we saw these massive demonstrations in the U.S. and around the world against racism and white supremacy and police violence. And now we've seen with uh, the election of two Democratic senators in Georgia and the, the state of Georgia uh, giving the majority of his votes to Biden that Georgia passed this new Jim Crow voting law to suppress the black vote and this major pushback from it. And there was just an article, apparently this just took place, where over 100 major executives from major corporations in the United States got together on a Zoom call this weekend to figure out what they're going to do about this law. And, and they were working on putting out a statement denouncing the law. And we're going to see what happens with that. The reason is, very simply, that their companies are caught in the crosshairs. If they don't denounce this, and it looks like they support voter suppression, people could either boycott them or move on and go to some of their competitors. So they have their their own profits rather than any moral or ethical concern, really are the main thing. But there's just a different climate now. So you had companies that were involved in this call 
working on the statement. Major companies like uh, PepsiCo and PayPal and uh, many others, a number of major companies have already denounced the uh, the Georgia law, which Trump was uh, and McConnell were going crazy about that. So, uh, including uh, Delta and Coca-Cola. And I think on this call, Viacom CBS was on this call. So they're going to get attention from the media world. Now here's, to trace this all back to boxing, okay? Who are the broadcasters which these fighters have contracts with for this fight? In the UK, the uh, Fury Camp has... Basically, their fights are usually shown on BT Sport, and Joshua's are shown on Sky Sports, which should be the pay-per-view on Sky Sports box office. Sky Sports now is part of Comcast, NBC, okay? So it's become much more global. In the U.S., Fury fights on ESPN, even if it would be an ESPN pay-per-view. ESPN is owned by Disney. So now you're bringing into the mix, if they go to Saudi Arabia and people are protesting, you're bringing in NBC, Comcast, and Disney at minimum for this. So it's going to be harder for them. They could do it. I mean, they don't really care I haven't seen anybody in the boxing media. You've been looking as many articles and stuff as I can. I haven't seen any promoter. I haven't seen anybody involved with this fight even question about whether or not they should do this in Saudi Arabia based on this whole movement, this justice for Jamal movement that is is gaining steam and the whole political climate around the, the Georgia Jim Crow voting law and the George Floyd uh, murder trial and all of that that's that's going on. That's the climate that we're in. So if they do this, if they say simply, well, Saudi Arabia is offering the most money, so we're going to go there. And we're going to set up the broadcasting like they did for Joshua Ruiz where they just get a feed from the Saudi broadcasters and maybe have their whole their own announcers who are there, either ringside or back in their their home studios. They do something like that. That will cut the travel. And of course there's still the pandemic will still have effects on what international travel can go on in July. So what we're seeing now is something going towards critical mass if they do sign with Saudi Arabia if all these reports are true that it is the clear front runner they're offering the most money and if that's all they're concerned about is the most money there could be a lot of blowback that could take place on top of the logistical problems that I mentioned of running a, a fight of this magnitude in Saudi Arabia because the networks might want to have their own crews doing this, doing all the production 
in Saudi Arabia. So you have those logistical problems for getting all the equipment and the people there uh, during it at some point in the pandemic. And the other, on the other side, with uh, Wembley, uh, Eddie Ernst talking about doing it July 24th, which would be about two weeks after the close of the year. You'd have to do it after the European football championships because that is absolutely huge in Europe, including the UK. And it's also going to, I think the finals are in Wembley Stadium. So you couldn't do it uh, right away. But even if you do it July 24th, that's the first weekend of the Olympics in Tokyo. If that mess happens, we don't know what's going to happen with that. There are all these logistical problems. And similarly, the, the problem of doing it in Las Vegas is pay-per-view. The biggest uh, draw on pay-per-view, the, the biggest audience of pay-per-view, obviously, is going to be in the UK. And they want to hold it at so that the fight will start at about 11 p.m. Uh, that Saturday night in the UK. Well, if you do that, what time is the fight going to start in Las Vegas? That's eight hours earlier. You're going to be starting at 3 p.m. Pacific time or about 6 p.m. Eastern time. So that may negate doing a U.S. pay-per-view. The time difference, I don't see how they could do a live U.S. pay-per-view and accommodate both time zones. So I think the priority would be given to the UK, but that would also make it a little bit less likely you could do it in Las Vegas. And they've also talked of doing the rematch because this is supposedly reportedly a two-fight deal. And again, this is boxing, so who knows? We don't even know if the first fight is definite, let alone a second fight. But the, the, apparently the working plan is they fight once in the summer and again November or December. And it would be much easier to do it at Wembley. There's probably going to be fewer, if any, restrictions on crowd size and, and all of that. And I go back to the Lennox Lewis Evander Holyfield fight. This is boxing. Okay. And I go back to the first fight between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. They really want to milk this for as much as they can. So, both the first fight between Lewis and Holyfield and Fury and Wilder ended up in disputed draws that virtually nobody agreed with except a couple of these, these judges. If there's no clear knockout in Joshua and Fury, would anybody be surprised if there was another one of these cockamamie decisions or draw, majority draw, some nonsense to really build interest in a second fight where they then could put 90 or 100,000 people in in Wembley Stadium? Right. They need to drag it out. I mean, because they'll have more a bigger payday down the line. I mean, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. And I'm hoping that Joshua kind of sticks to his social justice warrior principles. You know, the the family of Khashoggi has requested 
that they decline any offers from Saudi Arabia. So I'm hoping he sticks to his social warriors, Black Lives Matter guns, you know? And if they, if he does that, then that's going to force them to fight somewhere else. Right, and then presumably that would be in Wembley, or or they could do it indoors at a big one of the big arenas there. But see, this has been brought up now in the UK because there was an article on Saturday that was listed as an exclusive on the uh, the newspaper and the news website the telegraph which uh, quoted Katisa Chengiz about this and had all these quotes about that they should not have the fight in Saudi Arabia and that this would be rewarding him rewarding MBS Mohammed bin Salman for uh, planning and approving the the kidnapping and and assassination of Khashoggi and she sent a statement that said to the Telegraph, I cannot believe after all this time and all the evidence showing his guilt that the Saudi crown prince is still being considered as a, quote, host for such world sporting events, which he is using for political reasons and to clean his image. Now, I haven't seen, as I said, any anyone in the boxing media so far, and this is as of uh, Sunday evening, April 11th, even comment on this. On Saturday night, if you followed boxing, there were a number, as usual, uh, cockamamie uh, judges' decisions that took place that people really uh, correctly went after. Uh, there was the, the Joe Smith Jr. Maxim Vlasov fight, which uh, I thought it could have been a draw. Or I, I could see Smith winning that fight, but some of the some of the judges' uh, votes were kind of uh, ridiculous. Uh, there was the uh, German and Cajas Jonathan Rodriguez fight. That uh, again, I don't have a problem with Cajas winning that fight. He scored a knockdown in it, but. Even Al Bernstein, the Showtime announcer, called two of the scores, quote, absurd. It was, a very, it was, a, it was an all-action fight. It was a competitive, close fight. It was a good fight to watch. And then you get these cockamamie decisions. Uh, one was 115-112 for Ancajas. The people didn't have a problem with that. But 116-111 and particularly 117-110 for Ancajas was ridiculous and we get this every week and the question is is this incompetence corruption or whatever I think by now most of us know every week we're getting scores like this it has to be something more than just incompetence so on an issue like this the boxing media really went nuts and that's fine I agree with that. So, so let me let me ask you a question, Eddie. It, as a journalist, do you ever get to to talk to the judges and say what were you thinking? I mean, does anybody interview the judges to ask what the hell they were thinking? They usually don't say. They usually keep that private, or they just talk to the commission. It's very very rare for that for that to happen. So, uh, 
Is that like a no-no in the journalist world? You're not supposed to talk to the You can judges? talk I to mean, them, but they're not going to talk to you. Hmm. That's generally why, why you don't see it. Sometimes people will, like Jack Reese who is a referee, and, and they also sometimes use... Yeah, I know him. Yeah, he's given interviews explaining things, but it's often done in, in a more general sense, with a go right. over generally but he, the but, criteria. But Jack, is a, you know, but Jack is a ref, and I mean, I, you, I'm talking about people who that, like when you give scores like that, I can't remember a couple uh, fights we've watched where the this judge, she kept, every fight she does, it's like a ridiculous... Score. Yeah, Adelaide Bird was one of the people. After what are you? What fight are you watching? How do you score these fights? What are you looking for that gives that that gives you such a drastic difference between the other two judges? Well, who's investigating this when this continues to go on? Because in some sports, where there's sometimes subjective judging that goes on or subjective officiating, they try to fix it. I mean, for example, baseball, and I I use that example because I watch a lot of baseball. They instituted Mm -hmm. instant replay because some of these plays say at first base, the fielder throws to first base, and it's bang, bang, who got there first? And sometimes the umpire gets it wrong. So they send it back to the MLB headquarters, and today, again, with all the technology, they have multiple camera angles, and they go over it, and they overturn some of these calls that were mistakenly made, which are very difficult calls to make. But these are not very difficult calls to make. You can go on Twitter during a fight and see who's tweeting it, and 90, 95% of the, the boxing Twitter gets the scores right. There there are fights where there were close rounds and it could go either way, but some of these were not close. A lot of these were not close rounds. But my point again is it's fine to go ballistic over this, but now we have a bigger issue, broader than boxing itself, that this fight the big, clearly everyone agrees the biggest fight in boxing this year the biggest heavyweight fight in many years one of the big, which will be one of the biggest sporting events of any type in the year could land in Saudi Arabia and who's saying this is wrong it is wrong right but it's the world of boxing and that's that's <laughs> all we know it's corrupt and it's dirty and it's the boxing business right and it could and if they do this my point is that because of the political climate and this film the dissident being out and everything that's been said about the the murder of kajoji and his fiance speaking up and the whole change in the political climate last year as i mentioned around the, the georgia jim crow voting law and all of this if this comes up it's going to be harder for them to get over this without a peep. Right. I agree. Well, all right, Eddie, that's all we have today in the war room. I want to thank you for stopping by and making this shit happen every week. If you guys want to listen to Eddie, Eddie, I want you to tell them where the people can find you. Yes. Well, outside of 
New York, <laughs> they can find me on <laughs> online. How could you guess I'm from New York from my accent? Right. <laughs> you can find me online, eddiegoldman.com. I have a Patreon page, and most of the stuff there is behind the paywall. The reason is very simple, because I'm giving analysis like you heard today that you're not going to find on these major sites that are tied hand and foot to promoters and networks. So you go to patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. You can subscribe. It doesn't really cost very much at all, but you're going to get things that you're not going to get elsewhere. And my main site is eddiegoldman.com that has all of these links that uh, I've been having that site going up for a long, long time, and you can get links to my No Holds Barred podcast and how to contact me and uh, even a picture of me if you if you're into that. <laughs> so I'm on other social media. Twitter. Yeah, Twitter at NHB News. That's the main one I'm using. But I'm using a lot of these other things, but not that much, like Facebook and Instagram. You could find me at NHB News, but I don't use those, those that much because those are among the the sleaziest and dumbest of the social media sites, in, in my opinion. And I'm trying find him to, on Twitter, people. Find him on Twitter. Twitter's the, Twitter's the best way. And we've been discussing this a lot. We're hoping soon that there's some either either Clubhouse makes an Android and really better desktop. No, wait, 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 Eddie, Eddie. I just heard uh, yesterday that Twitter is doing their own version of Clubhouse within the app itself. Yeah, they have, they've been doing it in beta called Twitter Spaces. And in April oh. this month, they're supposed to open it up to anybody. So we'll see uh, how that works. And it will be available for both uh, iOS and Android users. And I think it will be available on desktop because you can... You use your, you can get Twitter on desktop. So pretty much, just about almost every platform will be available, as opposed to Clubhouse, which is still just an iOS only beta, even though that's very popular. So we'll see what happens. Right, and for for all you PC folks out there who have downloaded a PC Clubhouse for PC, please uninstall. It's that straight up malware, made in Russia. Yeah, there's no, there is no Android or Windows client for Clubhouse as we speak. There might be in a few weeks or months, but there's not. And that was, you know, another uh, another example of trying to take advantage of people's lack of expertise because a lot of people are reading about Clubhouse and hearing about it and then can't access it. So we're going to see. We'll see what happens. But I think that would be cool to at least to at least try that out when it becomes open to everybody. And and Mark Cuban is working on one. There are a lot of Clubhouse clones. Mark Cuban is working on a thing called um, Fireside Chat. I think I'm going to have to write him and see you know if we can get involved with something like that. And. there are others out right. there that I'm not. Uh, I don't really. I'm not really enthusiastic about. So 
Right, and I'm not trying to go to any other app. I mean, Clubhouse was a stretch for me because I'm really over social media, period. You know, Right, it's, but it's gotten apparently millions of users, and so we'll see. Right. So that's, uh, but that's coming. That's coming, and All so right. I'm. But follow me on Twitter at NHB News. Subscribe to my Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Eddie Goldman, and you'll be able to uh, listen to and read what I'm talking about and thinking about and doing. Best in the business. Thank you, Eddie. You guys, thank you for tuning in. This is DJ Tribal and Eddie Goldman in the War Room, and we are out. Peace. Thank you. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her, or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop. Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios. Original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com. That's E-T-S-Y.com slash shop slash Adolfina Studios. That's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon. For much more No Holds Barred content, that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.